0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of the Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net. There's also see the link at top for online edition. You'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern, and today we continue our reading of Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation, with Section 4. I think there's one unmuted line. Uh, section four: fear as lack of love we're also mindful of our lesson today lesson 20 I want to see lesson 20 I want to see and by way of opening this morning it was just so fortuitous that um, I received this thought from Marianne Williamson that just makes a perfect opening For the day the title of the piece is my work for god is effortless ego struggles but spirit creates and with effortlessness and joy i rise above the burden of work as i give what i do to god it doesn't feel like work to work for love Angels push me from behind today and guide my thoughts and actions. I relax into the flow of love, allowing myself to float upon the waves of a cosmic sea. I surrender to the experience of easy accomplishment and joy. Dear God, I surrender to you my worldly efforts. May I know not tension, but joy, as I am carried by the flow. Of love, I want to see. Amen.
1: Oops. Thank you, Lori.
2: Thank you, Lori.
0: Was a good thought for me. Okay, my friends. Here's our reading list we have Lemoyne Jessica Harrison Karen Judy and Donna and we're joined in listening this morning by Ida and Robin Bree. has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list morning Charles is here morning Charles can put you down to read already I said, Good morning, Charles. Can I put you down to read?
3: Yes. Can you hear me okay?
0: No? Yes, I can. Yes, yeah. I can. Sorry, oh, I'm, my, okay. mute box, my mute button is not functioning well. Thank you, Charles. Oh. Good morning. And would you like to read? Yes, please. <laughs> All righty. Right after Donna. Uh, I wish I could mute my dog. <laughs> yeah. Do did I hear Diana? Yes, hi, morning Lori. And I I I like to read. All righty. Okay. You guys will give Thank me just you. one moment here. One moment. I have one little dog who uh, has a sense of order, and when it's disturbed, something's out of place. He just can't help himself.
4: OK. He just came to make <laughs> me happy. Yep.
0: Smile <laughs> <laughs> oh, I beg your pardon. So now he'll just sit here, and we'll go ahead. Um, I think we're ready to take off, right? In Chapter 2, The Illusion of Separation the illusion of separation. Section 4. Fear is lack of love. Paragraph 72. You believe that, quote unquote, being afraid is involuntary, something beyond your control. Yet I have told you several times that only constructive acts should be involuntary. We have said that Christ-control can take over everything that does not matter, while Christ-guidance can direct everything that does, if you so choose. Fear cannot be Christ-controlled, but it can be self-controlled. It prevents me from controlling it. The correction is therefore a matter of your will because its presence shows that you have raised the unimportant to a higher level than it warrants. You have thus brought it under your will where it does not belong. This means that you feel responsible for it. The level of confusion here is obvious. Uh, Lemoyne.
5: Okay. Chapter 2 The Illusion of Separation, Section 4 Fear as Lack of Love. You believe that, quote, being afraid, unquote, is an involuntary, something beyond your control. <laughs> Yet I have told you several times that only constructive acts should be involuntary. We have said that Christ's control can take over everything that does not matter, while Christ's guidance can direct everything that does, if you so choose. Fear cannot be Christ-controlled, but it can be self-controlled. It prevents me from controlling it. The correction is therefore a matter of your will, because its presence shows you that you have raised. uh, Let's do an extra. You. The the correction is therefore a matter of your will, because its presence shows that you have raised the unimportant to a higher level than it warrants. You have thus brought it under your will where it does not belong. This means that you feel responsible for it. The level confusion here is obvious. The reason I cannot control fear for you is that you are attempting to raise to the mind level the proper content of lower order reality. I do not foster level confusion but you can choose to correct it. You would not tolerate insane behavior on your part and would hardly advance the excuse that you could not help it. Why should you tolerate insane thinking? There is a confusion here which you would do well to look at clearly. You believe that you are responsible for what you do, but not for what you think the truth is that you are responsible for what you think because it is only at this level that you can exercise choice.
0: Thank you, Lemoyne.
6: Okay.
0: And Jessica.
2: Hey, Lori. <clears throat> 73.
6: The reason I cannot control fear for you is that you are attempting to raise to the mind level the proper content of lower order reality. I do not foster level confusion, but you can choose to correct it. You would not tolerate insane behavior on your part and would hardly advance the excuse that you could not help it. Why should you tolerate insane thinking? There is a confusion here which you would do well to look at clearly. You believe that you are responsible for what you do, but not for what you think. The truth is that you are responsible for what you think because it is only at this level that you can exercise choice. 74. What you do comes from what you think. You cannot separate yourself from the truth by, quote, giving autonomy to behavior. This is controlled by me automatically as soon as you place what you think under my guidance. Whenever you are afraid, it is a sure sign that you have allowed your mind to miscreate or have not allowed me to guide it. It is pointless to to believe that controlling the outcome of thought can result in he- healing. When you are fearful, you have willed wrongly. This is why you feel responsible for it. You must change your mind, not your behavior. And this is a matter of will.
0: Thank you, Jessica and Harrison.
7: What you do comes from what you think. You cannot separate yourself from the truth by holding forth giving autonomy to behavior. This is controlled by me automatically. As soon as you place what you think under my guidance, Whenever you are afraid, it is a sure sign that you have allowed your mind to miscreate or have not allowed me to guide it. It is pointless to believe that controlling the outcome of misthought can result in healing. When you are fearful, you have willed wrongly. This is why you feel responsible for it. You must change your mind, not your behavior. And this is a matter of will. You do not need guidance except at the mind level. Correction belongs only at the level where creation is possible. The term does not mean anything at the symptom level when it, it cannot work. The correction of fear is your responsibility. When you ask for release from fear, you are in mind that it is not. You should ask instead for help in the conditions which have brought the fear about. These conditions always entail inter- a separated mind willingness. At that level, you can help it. You're much too tolerant of mind-wondering, <coughs> excuse me, thus passively condoning its miscreations. The particular result does not matter, but the fundamental error does. The correction is always the same. Before you will do it, before you will to do anything, ask me if your will is in accord with my If you are sure that it is, there will be no fear.
0: Thank you, Harrison. And uh, Karen. Let's see. 75 and 76. Thanks.
1: You do not need guidance. Mm -hmm except at the mind level. Correction belongs only at the level where creation is possible. The term does not mean anything at the symptom level where it cannot work. The correction of fear is your responsibility. When you ask for release from fear, you are implying that it is not. You should ask instead for help in the conditions which have brought the fear about. These conditions always entail a separated mind willingness. At that level, you can help it. You are much too tolerant of mind wandering, thus passively condoning its miscreations. The particular result does not matter but the fundamental error does. The correction is always the same. Before you will to do anything, ask me if your will is in accord with mine. If you are sure that it is, there will be no fear. 76. Fear is always a sign of strain, which arises whenever the will to do conflicts with what you do. This situation arises in two ways. Thank you, Karen. And Judy, if
0: you would read 76 and 77, please. 76 and 77. Thank you, Lori. Fear is always a sign of strain which arises whenever the will-to-do conflicts with what you do. The will-to-do conflicts with what you do. The will-to-do <laughs> conflicts with what you do. This situation arises in two ways. First, you can will-to-do to do conflicting things, either simultaneously or successively. This produces conflicted behavior, which is intolerable to yourself because the part of the will that wants to do something else is
2: outraged.
0: Thank you, Judy. And then, Donna, if you would please do 76, 77, and 78.
4: 76. Fear is always a sign of strain, which arises whenever the will to do conflicts with what you do. This situation arises in two ways. 77. First, you can will to do conflicting things, either simultaneously or successively. This produces conflicted behavior which is intolerable to yourself because the part of the will that wants to do something else is outraged. Second, you can behave as you think you should, but without entirely willing to do so. This produces consistent behavior, but entails great strain within the self.
0: Thank you, Donna. And then Charles, um, if you would please do 77, 78, and 79.
3: Thank you. 77. First, you can will to do conflicting things, either simultaneously or successfully. Successively. This produces, conf- this produces conflicted behavior, which is intolerable to yourself because the part of the will that wants to do something else is outraged. Second, you can behave as you think you should, but without entirely willing to do so. This produces consistent behavior, but entails strain within itself in both cases the will and the behavior are out of accord resulting in a situation in which you are doing what you do not will this arouses a sense of coercion which usually produces rage oh wow the rage then involves the mind and projection in the wrong sense is likely to follow. The rage invades the mind oh sorry, the, ra- the rage invades the mind and projection in the wrong sense is likely to follow. Depression or anxiety is virtually certain. Wow. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Charles. Um, and Diana, if you would do 79 and 78 and 80, please.
4: 79. In both cases, the will and the behavior are out of accord, resulting in a situation in which you are doing what you do not will. This arises a sense of coercion, which usually produces rage, the rage then invades the mind and projection in the wrong sense is likely to follow. Depression or anxiety is certain, is, is virtually certain. 80. Remember that whatever there is fear, it is because you have not made up your mind. Your will is split and your behavior inevitably becomes erratic. Correcting at the behavioral level, can shift the air from the first to the second type of strain described above, but will not obliterate the fear. It is possible to reach a state in which you bring your will under my guidance without much conscious effort, but this implies habit patterns which you have not developed dependently as yet. God cannot ask more than you will. The strength to do comes from your own undivided will to do. There is no strength in doing God's will as soon as you recognize that it is also your own. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Diana. And is there a new reader for eighty and eighty one? Yes, uh
8: I Thanks, Ida. Welcome. Avey, remember that whenever there is fear, it is because you have not made up your mind. Your will is split and your behavior inevitably becomes erratic. Correcting it at the behavioral level can shift the error from the first to the second type of strain described above but will not obliterate the fear. It is possible to reach a state in which you bring your will under my guidance without much conscious effort, but this implies habit patterns which you have not developed dependably as yet. God cannot ask more than you will. The strength to do comes from your own undivided will to do. There is no strain in doing God's will. As soon as you recognize that it is also your own. 81. The lesson here is quite simple, but particularly apt to be overlooked. I will therefore repeat it, urging you to listen. Only your mind can produce fear. It does so whenever it is conflicted in what it wills, thus producing inevitable strain because willing and doing become discordant. This cannot be corrected by better doing, but it can be corrected by higher willing. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ida. And just for a new reader to finish with... Paragraph 81. Yes, I can do it. Hello? Hello? Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Robert Marie. Oh, there (laughs) you go. I beg (laughs) your pardon. The lesson here is quite
2: simple, but particularly apt to be overlooked. I will therefore repeat it, urging you to listen. Only your mind can produce fear. It does so whenever it is conflicted in what it wills, thus, producing inevitable strain because willing and doing become discordant. This cannot be corrected by better doing, but it can be corrected by higher willing.
0: Thank you, Robin Marie. And thank you, everyone who read today. Um, I was thinking um, (laughs) uh, this morning, rather than trying to render a summary of this, it would be really, really helpful if each one of us uh, consider the reading in light of um, our experience and share maybe um, from a favorite paragraph. And that way we'll be exposed to this. Um, in multiple ways. Anyway, that's my thought this morning and I think it'll be helpful and so the floor is open.
1: Good morning, it's Karen. I'm going to jump in because I was thinking of something that I think is applicable. Um, when you were reading the reading uh, that you opened with today, Laurie, um, I remembered a time when I used to do a lot of FEVA and I was in the um, ashram course, and it was so effortless. There was absolutely no part of me that even had to think about it. I would just like sort of say inside next, next, like what's next? Send me the flowers, I'll do flowers. Send me the pot washing, I'll do pot washing. You know, it was just like there was no effort. It was joyful to be in service in that place. And um, it's not like that anymore. If I were to go there now it would be like excruciatingly hard for me to, you know, to stand on my legs all day or to, you know, do things I had a resistance to doing. But um, the paragraph I'm going to read 79. Remember that whenever there is fear it is because you have not made up your mind. Your will is split and your behavior inevitably becomes erratic. Correcting at the behavioral level can shift the error from the first to the second type of strain described above, but it will not obliterate the fear. It is possible to reach a state in which you bring your will under my guidance without much conscious effort. But this implies habit patterns which you have not developed dependently, as yet. God cannot ask more than your will, than you will. The strength to do comes from your own undivided will to do. There is no strain in doing God's will, as soon as you recognize that it is also your own. So I'm just going to um, repeat one thing. If I were to do say, the now, my will would be conflicted, I would be wanting not to be doing it, but I would be doing it anyway, unbearably, you know, and that would create the conflict. But there was a time when I was really well trained. (laughs) And um, I reached the state in which my will was brought under the guidance without conscious effort. And that's because the habit patterns had been strongly developed. So I'm I'm uh, happy to plan um, to go back to that, and I'm determined to go back to that. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Karen.
0: I love that chair. What a reflection you, of how thinking, thinking changes things.
8: Thank you, Karen. This is Iva. Uh-uh. Hi. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, right. So I'm close to the part that Karen read. Um, I I was well-trained also by my parents. And by the time I was uh, a teenager, I was doing a lot of things that, when I think back on it, I really didn't want to do. Uh, or saying a lot of things that I didn't necessarily want to say. There was a lot of falsity coming out of my behavior, Uh, you know. um, So, I mean, that was um, number two, and that's number 78 paragraph, and I'll read that. Second, you can behave as you think you should, but without entirely willing to do so. This produces consistent behavior but entails great strain within the self. Like, no wonder when I was 14 I wanted to run away from my family, but I waited till I was 18 because I knew it was illegal to do that until I was 18, you know. And I did run away when I was 18, but I came back the next day. I, I really poorly planned this escape and I I had my friend pick me up I I got out of my, you know, out of the bedroom and onto the bush because it was on the second floor, but only on a split level, so it wasn't that far with a note. And I, um, she picked me up and took me to like the bus station or something. And I went to another town where I didn't, like an army town in there in Virginia, an hour away or whatever, where I didn't know anybody. It was really not thought out. My feelings were all suppressed, so my feelings were ruling me because they were suppressed, right? And I couldn't think clearly. And I did call back home from the motel room, and my mom and grandma, Ida, were um, crying and pleading for me to come back. And they said they'd make things better, so I came back. I don't know how much better it was, but... You know, of course, I was trained that way, but it was within me. If I could have gotten a lot of help, counseling, and counseling from my family, things would have been better, I think, at that point, if we would have, you know, listened to the counseling and it was good counseling. But, of course, it, it goes with exactly what that para- little paragraph that I read was saying. I... um Felt like I had to do and say certain things to get along in my family in my house, but didn't wasn't really how I felt inside. So I'm sure you all, most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with that situation, especially as a teenager. Okay, thanks so much. I'm complete.
0: That was a great reflection, Ida.
1: Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Ida. Thank
3: you, Ida. Thank you very much. That
1: was
0: wonderful. Thank you. Speaking, hi, it's Jude. I, the the relationality between God's will and a um, selfish, self-centered will. And you know, I grew up in in a in a home that um, you know, I was thought I was taught to think unconventionally or outside of the box of of what was considered appropriate, um, what um, you know, the the whole. Um, let me back up. <laughs> the idea of conforming socially or culturally, what what looks good on the outside, um, you know, to to question that, you know that. Um, you did things for the right reasons, not because you were supposed to or you ought to or you should. And, you know, that independent kind of thinking served, served me well. But, you know, we, we grow up in a culture that's um, it's bent on, on structure and order and laws, you know, the laws of society that... Um, make us conform in order for there to be order and i think you know the the fear that it speaks of um to me in this reading is is the fear fear of feeling free to be me you know and and you know it, it came it came out initially when i was a teenager you know in opposition to my father's will you know i I became oppositional, and, um, you know, that wasn't always welcomed. Most of the times it was welcomed because it was a sign of being an independent thinker. But, you know, when it came to do as I say, you know, and and you do it because I said so, um, <laughs> there's the conflict. But, you know, in, in, in looking inward inward at my own thinking and how I'm in conflict with myself is what determines right behavior. To think like Christ is to act like Christ, to think lovingly and collaboratively, um, naturally, being a part of the whole rather than with my own selfish, self-centered, self-occupied, concerned thoughts. So, you know, I ooh. <laughs> the will to do and my behavior are in conflict, and um, I'm just going to stop with the the quote, and I'm probably going to misquote it, but it is from Saint Paul. Why is it, God, that I I do what I don't want to do, and I and I don't do what I do want to do? <laughs> Because we all do it. <laughs> Thanks, I'm complete.
3: Thank you, Judy.
1: Thank you, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Mm-hmm. Thank you,
3: Judy. This is That's Charles good. here. Um, if I like to talk about 75, you do not need guidance except at mind level, um, which brings me to the point of growing up. I, I, I love these stories when people talk about the youth and the growing, because when I'm young, I'm very physically orientated. Everything's about my surroundings, and my environment, and how I deal with it and it becomes more orientated on result orientation i'm very much into result and result is not cause it's not at causal level and when you know when it says you do not need guidance except at the mind level correction belongs only at the level where creation is possible we're at the level of focusing on my environment, my surrounding work creation isn't possible because it is only dealing with results, you know, and the term does not mean anything at the symptom level where it cannot work. The correction of fear is your responsibility. um, Because it's determined by like when I, when I left home, I went to the Jesus people movement and I started memorizing the Bible And the more scriptures and memory work I did, I I didn't realize at the time I was working on my mind. And I didn't have a penny in my pocket, yet I was the happiest I could ever be. I was sleeping on the floor in a coffee shop, dancing on the street, enjoying myself. And I was unaware of causal level. I was just thinking my surroundings are really great. I'm with a lot of beautiful people. And then all of a sudden I things turned turned the other way and I became causal. I was still in the cause mode. I was thinking that the environment was creating my circumstances because I wasn't aware of a mind. I was more aware of my surroundings. And so that turned into more a downside when all that all finished and I found myself in the working world. Oh, this, this seventy-five is really, you know, is my responsibility. But until I know what I'm responsible for, um, how can I change where I give my attention? You know, until I'm, re- until I realize it's attention's at mine level, where I look to the light of God's love rather than to the form. The conditions that brought about the fear. It's always the it's always the level of form that produces conditions for the fear that I'm having. But when I think of the light of God's love, the energy that get, which gives rise to thought and images, then I'm back my level. That really helps me, you know. I. Uh, It says you are too much tolerant in mind wandering. In other words, I'm always wandering through different results in my surroundings instead of focused on what is producing all that within me. I'm really thankful for that paragraph um, because it turns me inside again. Thank you. Allow me to share. I'm complete.
0: Oh, thank you, Charles. That was so clear. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Charles. And what and uh, a what a segue to the top of the hour. I am determined to see uh, at my level, Harrison. Um, did you want to share before before we touch the lesson?
7: I'll share after the lesson.
0: Okay we'll call on you first because I know you have something there uh, but Donna's in um, volunteered to do our lesson reflection this morning while Fran is still recovering And I'm sure we're all extending our healing thoughts to Fran until she's back with us but Donna thank you very much for volunteering this morning I'll turn it over to you
5: amen.
4: Okay. thank you Laurie and I say amen to your living prayer for Fran Uh, From Lesson 54, uh, Day 20, I am determined to see. And I'm going to read Paragraph 5 from Review 1. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heat and to heal distress and turmoil. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal distress and turmoil. This is not done by avoiding them and seeking a haven of isolation for yourself. You will yet learn that peace is part of you and requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are so that your peace is everywhere you are. I am determined to see. And I'm going back to Chapter 1, Paragraph 45, which lives between uh, Miracle Principles 32 and 33. Paragraph 45, the soul never loses its communion with God. Only the mind needs atonement. The miracle joins in the atonement of Christ by placing the mind in the service of the spirit This establishes the proper function of the mind and corrects its errors. Day 20, or Lesson 20. I am determined to see. Recognizing the shared nature of my thoughts, I am determined to see. I would look upon the witnesses that show me the thinking of the world has been changed. I would behold the proof that what has been done through me has enabled love to replace fear, laughter to replace weeping, and abundance to replace loss. I would look upon the real world and let it teach me that my will and the will of God are one. I am determined to see. Let's take a moment. I am determined to see. Amen.
0: Oh, Donna, that was so inclusive. Thank you very much. And, Donna, did you quote Miracle Principle 45? No,
4: paragraph 45.
0: Paragraph okay. 45, but yeah. Thank you. Proper function of the mind corrects its errors. Thank you very much. Well, Harrison, your hand rose yes. up. Thank you. Um,
7: Lori, you asked us to um, point out a paragraph that uh, speaks to us, and for me, it was paragraph 74, Um, and it starts off with a very thoughtful idea for me. What you do comes from what you think. And, and as I heard I Ida and Charles talk about um, what it was like growing up from, for them I thought about how my thinking now was shaped by or is shaped by um, a lot of my experience growing up Um, and even into adulthood. um, I Grew up for most of my early life until about I was about twelve or thirteen on a sharecropper's farm in rural Alabama, and as uh, a little black boy in um, that place at that time, that was the late 40s and 50s, early 50s, Uh, if you know anything about the history of the South as it relates to black people, um, you will understand how fearful Uh, that that was as you may understand how fearful uh, that was Um, and uh, it was really emphasized for me uh, with the death of Emmett Till Um, and Seeing what uh, some white men could do to a twelve, thirteen year old boy uh, without any repercussions whatsoever um, was very frightening. So uh, I realized walking up and down the roads, uh, especially on a Saturday uh, afternoon when pickup trucks would drive by with four or five um, young white men who had been drinking and realizing that if I didn't find a place to hide, that they could do anything they wanted to me without any real repercussions. And um, I I, I, have realized throughout my life of that experience has shaped my belief system um, and um, raised the level of fear. Um, and that's all in my thoughts. What I do from from what I think.
5: I can't
7: separate myself from the truth by giving autonomy, autonomy to behavior. There's a line that's unmuted. I'm sorry. This is controlled by me, the text says, automatically as soon as you place what you think under my guidance, this is Jesus speaking. Whenever I am afraid It is a sure sign that I have allowed my mind to miscreate and have not allowed Jesus to guide it. So that takes me back to my childhood and quite frankly to Uh, up until many years later I didn't understand how the idea of fear was influencing who I thought I was and it allowed my mind to miscreate and did not allow Jesus to guide me. And that's what I'm learning today and every day is how to just step back step back from that experience and recognize the unreality of that whole experience and understand that God did not create that. And if God did not create it, it did not happen. And that's a tough one. That's a tough one when you have the experiences that I did in those formative years. I'm complete.
0: Oh, thank you, Harrison. That was such a generous share. Oh, I'm grateful thank for Thank you so thank much, you, Harrison. Harrison.
8: Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you. I'm so sorry, you mm, thank
3: yeah. you.
2: Thank you yeah, so much, thank you, Harrison.
7: Mm.
6: I love hearing I, about um, the people's stories, and and I love Harrison that you couple it, you know, this very powerful memory of fear and you know daily trial uh, with the truth. That it wasn't true, that it didn't really happen, and and it's just wild. Um, my son in law's father was uh, was born in South Carolina as a black man or boy, I guess, baby, and he was a share uh, worked on a farm and was um, was um, harvesting tobacco, which is from the age of seven which is so incredible to me to hear those stories from him and knowing some of the what he had to deal with, um, and then knowing that, you know, the, these are stories. And, you know, my story is the very, very, very polar opposite in the sense that I grew up in a family that I didn't even have any, uh, well, it's probably not the opposite because of the fact that I believed in my body, and so did everyone around me, and, a belief, and they believed in the world, and so did I. But I grew up with uh, parents who were incredibly permissive, so the choices and decisions I made were almost uh, uh, like... I was going to I can't think of the right word, but, you know, they were... Uh, not appropriate for a child. You know, it was really, everything was up to me. And so um, that was another form of, uh, well, that created fear because I felt like I didn't know what to do and uh, I had to make my own decisions about things and go places by myself. And just because my parents had trust and faith that I was fine and I could be fine. And what I know now from this course is that I was guided even though I didn't know it and I wasn't always guided because I didn't I didn't have the um, I didn't know on a on a conscious level I think on an unconscious level I probably turned over a lot to the Holy Spirit decision-wise but on an on a conscious level I didn't and That's what I now um, am needing to remind myself every single day. Like I was saying at the beginning of the call to to Lori and Lemoyne, that I'm supposed to go pick up my granddaughter today, and she's about, I don't know, 45 minutes from here, and it's snowing. But I'm not sure how much it's snowing, and I'm trying to look at the weather reports and... Is it going to be okay to drive? Because I get kind of nervous when it's slippery, blah, blah, blah. And then I have to bring her back here, so that's twice as much. So I thought, you know, there's really only one way to find out, because these weather reports aren't helping me. So I took a few minutes to ask Holy Spirit, to ask Jesus, was it safe? Was it a good idea for me to go to her school in Boston and get her? And I got a reassurance that it was going to be fine. And boy, um, I'm going to ask again because I I have that kind of, you know, my faith is not as powerful as I'd like it to be. It's not as complete. In, and it's mostly in myself, in my ability to open the channels and listen. So that's why I'm going to ask again. But um, But that's what... He's telling us here, and i didn't I didn't mention the paragraph, but I think the one that that um that oh gosh, now I'm confused about that too. Um, let's see. I think it was seventy four yeah, um, whenever you're afraid, it's a sure sign that you have allowed your mind to miscreate and have not allowed me to guide it. So so that's where that's you know I I whenever I speak the truth in these in these shares I start to I feel the connection to the truth by my emotions opening up and wanting to be tearful because it's a gratitude um, you must change your mind not your behavior and this is a matter of will so changing my mind is changing my mind to be in accordance with Guided with Holy Spirit, with Jesus, with, with the, the beautiful, um, teachers that we have given to us every single second of the day. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm
2: so grateful. Thank you guys.
0: Oh, I love that share. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jessica. Perfect illustration of how thought comes first. I really like that.
4: This is Donna. I like uh, Je- Jessica's mind works the way mine does. When I I have to go back and ask the Lord several times. Uh, yeah, how come? And sometimes he has to give me the the uh, realization in another way. <clears throat> I'm I'm kind of blown away because I'm living. Um, I'm I'm beginning to live this this course in miracles. Uh, with the with the lessons, I'm as I'm reading, I'm finding out. My God, this is what I'm. This is this is this is what I'm beginning to live, and I did. I lost every one of these paragraphs and I got had five things um five little notes on the different paragraphs uh and I'm going to read them but because they're they're horrifying but I also hit on 77 I think through probably 79 I thought oh my god this is what I'm going through now and it's not a not a pleasant experience for me and I'm not quite there so but uh, on the first page, uh, 71 through 75, the first understanding I got, which is I'm beginning to live quite well. I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit is um, never makes mistakes and is very faithful. <laughs> but the first one is, fear means two wills. Fear means two wills. The authentic or the inauthentic. If I fear, I have chosen amiss. And the second I got from maybe 75, Christ guidance leads to valid thoughts. Because there's no problem, you don't have any problem with, if, if you do manage to let the Holy Spirit um, make the valid thought uppermost in, in consciousness. Number three is thoughts in mind entertained show up in some form, either as healings or as a problem. So those are lessons I'm kind of starting to really uh, walk in. And then down in uh, the good news, uh, there is no strain in doing God's will. And I'm finding that to be true and the two scriptures that came to me that I thought, well, how did, how did I really start on this before I got to the course, and maybe even metapsychiatry? psychiatry? And it's uh, it's, uh, Matthew, uh, it's Matthew, it's Matthew 26:39 maybe, and John 5:30. 26:39 30. Matthew is where Jesus tells God, "Not my will, your will be done." And, and John 5.30 is where Jesus says, of mine own self, I can do nothing. And I said, well, I can agree with that because I never could do anything. But when I hit this, uh, the, uh, when I hit 76, 77, 78, 79, I saw, I, saw, I saw myself living through something extremely unpleasant right now. And, and the lesson, and the lesson really spoke to me uh, because it says um, it says what does it say <laughs> it says I am determined to see and it talks about avoidance somewhere anywhere someplace I read about avoidance so this is what I've been doing I've been avoiding uh, certain other individuals I have a victory here where I live because I I moved into a very troubling situation and wanted to hold on to my view of everything and wanted to be angry and mad and find these people afflicting me. And then when I began to pray for them, it let the Holy Spirit heal my consciousness of that raunchy, awful behavior. And and so now, and I just realized last night, I've been telling everybody, I still hate the place and want to move. And last night it came to me, you know what? This isn't too bad of a place to live. (laughs) And if I would have ever believed, I would ever say that. So that's a miracle that I'm saying that to you all. And I'm going to tell you the other good thing while I'm giving testimony. There is, particularly this God, there's no strain in doing God's will. The Holy Spirit got me up again, and I now have my house so in order, and it seems like it's going to be consistent that I said to myself, because I confessed the other day, I said to myself or here in the call, Why was I p- a pig all those years? I've been a pig since 1968. And then it dawned on me in 1968, I was one of these people who was insane about keeping things neat and uh, clean. And at the time, I smoked and my brother smoked, and one little ash would get in an ashtray and I'd have to clean the ashtray. And one day I said to myself, Donna, oh, no, that's insane. But wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit saying that. And and I said, yeah, right. And I stopped doing it completely. I had to do the other extreme. So here it is, my God, 68, right, 70, 30, 40, 50 years later. And now it's come up for a healing. And this is what I learned. The most unpleasant things the Holy Spirit manages, the Lord Jesus manages to walk us through it, and, and mitigate the mistakes that we're making because we're not dealing with something we need to deal with until it's ready to come up for a healing, that we're ready to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I consider it the same thing with the cancer I had. It, it could have come up any time and killed me, but that wasn't God's plan. So so now, um, now I'm ready to deal with another difficult problem. So I have um, certain individuals that just the thought of them turns my stomach and peels the skin off my body. Now that isn't that horrendous to have an individual that you've had encounters with, and that's that's how you feel about your encounters and about them. So. I was invited to join something else, and I even said, uh, Oh, who's in it? because I was really wanting to know who was in it. And I was told everyone was in it except one was not mentioned. So I turn up at something that I made a commitment to, and there's that one. <laughs> and it's like, I oh got, because I came right off this call to go to that call uh, the other day. I was freaked out. I was misbehaving. I was saying, well, and the other thing I do, we take turns, blah, 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 and I went on and on, carrying on like a wild beast, and, um, and ended up getting my way. I just you know, said that to the person who kind of kind is involved uh, a little more than the others. Let me read first after I got going down. But anyway, so that behavior isn't even Donna. So I had to act up. And that's what this here, you, you do something, see, I, the old Donna would have kept her mouth shut, been a nice little goody two-shoes, went along like she wasn't just absolutely enraged inside, and <laughs> instead the Holy Spirit said, okay, well, I mean, he didn't say that, but my behavior, let me know, who is this speaking up like this? This doesn't seem like God speak." But I had to speak, carry on like a spoiled child for a moment so this stuff could come up so I would be in a position to say, yeah, now it's time to be healed. So, so I, I, it took me about 24 hours to, to come down and get, get down to a point where I, I could see it diminishing. This, this violent rage I've been carrying around in me is, was diminishing. And then I met another person, isn't this amazing, who had the same name, and I prayed for both those people together, and it it created the healing. So I found this lesson really, well, obviously you can hear, I've gone from one extreme to the other, I am so grateful today for the course of miracles. I am complete.
0: Oh, that was just beautiful, Donna. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. Thanks,
5: Donna. Thank you, Donna. Wonderful. Thank Thank you for sharing all
0: that. Thank you. Well, you 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 gave us perfect example of uh, lesson 121. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. I think it is. Where we take two brothers and put them together and ask to see the truth. Yeah, lesson 121. Forgiveness is the key to happiness. Thank you for that, Donna.
3: Yes, Donna, I live in it. A... Go
2: ahead. <laughs> <I'm> piggybacking again. <laughs> Thanks.
3: I got strong shoulders. You can piggyback anytime you want. I love Donna. You're so close to my home, to where I live in the seniors building and the people I meet each day. Well, that's so close to my heart, which you shared. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, Robin Marie, did you want to uh, step in here before you have to leave to go to work?
2: Um, I, I just was thankful for, um, you know, the ru- uh, rubber uh, rubber hitting the road today. Yeah, nice examples of of um, translating this uh, wonderful these wonderful lessons into real life. Thank you so much, everybody.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thanks. Mary. Okay, thanks.
4: This is Donna. I have one more quick thing. The lady, the person that I met yesterday, who had the same name, and I happened to be having lunch at the senior center. So she had fallen at home, and and some and and so somebody made a comment about the source. She said, "Oh, I think I'm still 16." And I told her, I said, "Well." You keep thinking that, but just quit throwing yourself around. But you know who knows how far-reaching thoughts are that aren't that aren't healthy. Uh, So it also this morning I'm saying to myself, you know, watch your thoughts from the future.
0: I'm complete.
6: Mm. Thank you, Donna. Thanks again, Donna.
0: Hi. It's 10.30, so I'm going to remember I want to see. <laughs> and um, everything this lesson implies to me is um, Christ's vision and vision being my greatest need. And, and to remember that um, it's the thought that I have that unites my mind with Christ's consciousness. And the power and the glory of that mind that has the ability, maybe only in mere potential today, but the ability to see everything, to give love to everything, and to receive love from everything, to see everything as a gift and a blessing, to give and receive love in every single holy instant of this day, to give and receive our one. And the power and the glory of the mind of God that I share makes that a constant and consistent, effortless journey through this world and all I see. But I must remember, I must always remember that through my body's eyes I see bodies which just validates the perception of the world, the teaching of the world, that we are bodies, that we see each other as covers of a book and compare and analyze and assess according to outward appearances to the superficial layers of who and what we truly are are inestimable value to each other as spirits. Christ's vision, I want to see. It
3: today. Amen. I'm complete. Amen. Thank you.
0: Amen. Yes, I Amen. want to see you. Thanks, Judy.
3: Mrs. Charles here. I like to piggyback on that. Like, I want to see my eyes, my ears hear not, my eyes see not, because. They see but the physical or the spiritual eye and those who are aware of what forms thoughts and what forms images within the mind. What is the cause of all thoughts and images that form within my mind? Is it my eyes that see the environment, my ears what hears the sound? Yet they are there results, not cause. Of what forms all images and thoughts within me. So when I see that, I want to see is that which gives me the ability to see, that which lights all, lights those images and thoughts within me, that which is the cause. So that's what this lesson speaks to me, anyways. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Charles. That was great.
2: Excuse me, Lori. Good morning. Yes. this Hi, is Kristen. Christian. Hi. Hi, everybody. I love you all. And I just wanted to clarify that the lesson is I am determined to see. And I'm not trying to be a stickler. I just know that we don't want or need anything, but we are very
9: determined to be united. So I love you all. I'm complete.
3: Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I
5: am Thank determined you right <laughs> well, thanks Kristen.
9: Good morning. this is Sandra. And I am determined to see um, goes so well with um, fear is lack of love. <laughs> Because being determined to see, I have to be willing to be wrong. (laughs) To feel a little uncomfortable. And to let go of what I think I'm seeing. Which is probably fearful. It probably instills fear in me. But that Determination to see Motivates me to turn it over And to say, Thy will be done Or to, to bring it to the Holy Spirit and ask to be shown the truth In either event The fear is minimalized Because I have faith in my connection With my Creator With my Holy Spirit And what's the worst thing that can happen? I drop the body, (laughs) this book is telling me that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is for me to continue to stay aligned with the ego and create more and more death and destruction in my own world and on this planet. So I'm, I'm determined, I'm motivated to see things differently because I'm motivated to create A whole new world and also there has to be the willingness to be to make change if I'm willing to be wrong I also have to be willing to change and every time I make a change I go into the unknown and every time I go into the unknown I feel frightened but that's okay because I'm trusting in something that's invisible And that invisibility opens me up to a world of being comfortable in the unknown. This is a practice and initially I still sometimes feel fear. But I keep on repeating over and over again the truth of my highest and best is being served at all times that I am, as God created me, completely united, completely protected. I'm not under the laws of this land. I'm under God's laws. And when I align with God's laws, there is absolutely nothing to fear. doesn't mean that I might not still feel fear, but I have the tools to address that fear and to diffuse that fear.
0: I'm complete. Oh, that was just beautiful, Sandra. What a great description of the practice. Thank you.
4: Hi, this is Diana. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for that. Uh, this, um, this lesson is really good. I've been really trying to stay with the lessons. And my requirement to want to see is all that's required. I think... Um, This is an experience to see things differently beyond my egoic perspective and really trying to see outside of my body through Christ's vision, believing with Christ's vision is opposite of what the body's eyes are showing me. So Christ's vision is seeing everything as Christ created them, Uh, no separation, no differences, no guilt of any kind, only oneness with God's universal love. This lesson for me is working with my willingness of truth to see Christ's vision for my awakening. And um, I think this is the first time that it's really, you know, making us accountable to the lessons to really work them at least that's how I understand it by reading Christ's vision with my determination to see the truth. So, in any given moment, to be in the now and say, "Is this? Is this? What is Christ What's Christ's vision in this moment?" And taking a moment with that to get outside of what I think it should be, to what Christ's vision is seeing it as love. I'm complete.
0: Thank you, Diana. Every moment, yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Diana.
0: I'm really getting into this... Um, Chapter 21, it's called The Inner Picture, and the, the second um, part of it is the imagined world and then the responsibility for sight, and um, it describes the vision, the vision of the real world and um, the difference between perception and knowledge and seeing through the eyes of Christ so clearly and beautifully, and... Um, <laughs> I'd like to read the whole thing. There's like three pages, but I I just I highly recommend um um if you get time today to to read read through it. We've all read it before, but it's good to read it again. Thank you, Anthony, please. Thank you, Judy. And thank you for uh drawing attention to the way chapter twenty one is introduced. If I'm right, I seem to recall it says that like everything seen with vision is healed and holy, and nothing seen without it means anything Mhm um, yes, projection makes perception we see it because we want <laughs> to see it and um that's exactly it's so it's so clear the difference between the two. And it really just—it um, really makes me more determined to, to practice this throughout the day. Um.
2: Are you complete, well,
0: uh, shoot? Well, oh, go ahead. Uh, that the world we see is the same error as the error that believes that we created ourselves. It's a very powerful mm-hmm. one. That I made this image of myself, and that the world arose to meet it, to validate this image that we made, and the difference in the in the pr- miracle principles it's one of the most important ones and and it gets further into it is the difference between what we made and what how we were created because if i remember every minute of the day that i was created that i have a creator i'm going to see through those eyes and i'm going to see the world differently if i'm seeing through the eyes of perception through an image of a body that thinks there's a separate me it's a whole different kahuna. And, um, you know, that the world, that we we don't, the power of our wanting must first be recognized. You must accept its strength and not its weakness. What you, you must perceive that what is strong enough to make a world can let it go and accept the correction if it's willing to see that it was wrong. And um, that's just reiterating what, what Sandra just so beautifully shared, that we made this world and that we have to desire, be determined to change it by the way we see it. And that's a, a gift. The vision is a gift. And all I got to do is say, I want to see. I'm determined to see. And it will be undone. He does the undoing of it. And all the effects of our mis Creation, our misthought, our misperceptions will disappear. So, ergo, I'm just loving it large as I usually do. Thank you. I'm complete now, Lori. Thank you, Judy. Accept correction, that was great. And Patricia, were you, did you have your hand up, hon? Oh, that's funny. I am here. Um, every share uh, brings my hand down over my heart. And then it does pop up a lot with, uh, it just keeps returning to uh, paragraph 72. And it keeps dancing up and down with uh, Christ's control and Christ's guidance and inquiry and dancing inside my mind between your stories is look how the stories are illuminating this paragraph for me where it's it's very challenging to realize that fear is a you believe that being afraid is involuntary. Yet this paragraph says it's very personal. It takes effort to be afraid. It is a Christ control that requires tremendous effort. It tells me we have said that Christ control can take over everything. Oh, yes, it can. But it's taking over everything that does not matter. And boy, you know, I can just get whipped into Christ's control with one perceived uh, you know, uh, I evidence, evidence of miracles one after the other with uh, this kind of a thing that this paragraph telling me to look at. That fear is actually requires effort. At the only thing here while Christ's guidance there is no effort so if we ask Christ to take take care of something that needs to be controlled or changed he's helpless Christ's guidance can direct everything that does matter if you choose Fear cannot be Christ-controlled. Because we have placed ourselves in control, the self can and is the only one trying. So hard we try. I try so hard when I look at this humble side of this paragraph. I try so hard. do right yet I am reminded this is a Christ control and it can look very sweet because Patricia can really look wise and sweet and I'm blessed to come back to my family both by my children aren't fooled, and they're kind of tired of the sacrificial lamb that comes out of my story that I am controlling when I play a role and so this keeps spinning me into go back Patricia and feel what it feels like to digest that what you want to control is out of order surrender what you want to control And then what happens then reminds me of a fall in a season like now in the woods, muddy, and there's a hillside, a lot of rocks and mud, and I'm strong, and I've come from town, and I have one load of groceries, so I'm going to get it all in one load and I'm going down the hill and the ice and the mud and the weight and the fatigue and the wind, I fall. And I'm reminded when I read and keep hearing your stories and watching the Christ control flashing and then the Christ guidance. So remember that moment of laying there. There's nobody to call out to. Nothing, you're laying there. There's nothing to control, and remembering the only place I could go that was not in battles and screaming in pain and fighting in fear was my left cheek, where it's really soft and mushy, just a little like a marshmallow-sized mushy place. It was the only place. But in that automatic, out-of-control moment, I'm reliving it now to go, let these times where it just happened that you allowed yourself be out of control and apply it in the day. Choose what's soft in front, the smaller, lower level of something, and let the bigger world be out of control. So I I did, laying there, I looked at, okay, can I walk? And my right, you know, foot and ankle and everything was so, no, not the right. How about the left? No, nope, not the left. Well, can I move? Well, not to the left. Can I move this? Not to the right. So I'm evaluating what can I do? Well, not this, not that. I can breathe into this cheek, this left cheek. And then, you guys, it was involuntary. Staying right there, breathing in, I got my breath. Looking back, you know, God gave me my breath. And somehow it was involuntary. I don't even know how. But that breathing in and out of that left cheek got me crawling and I made it up through the terrain and onto a deck and then up a stairway and up into a bed Uh, and just curled up in blankets. I don't even know how. And we are somehow so challenged I am to feel this beautiful role of learning the involuntary part of life. And I think it's really looking for what is lovable right at this moment that can allow an out-of-control story even be more dramatic. The last current reminder is, Patricia, look at how you're applying this whole COVID thing. You know, you're, you're older. uh, You got uh, an allergic reaction to that vaccine, nearly killed you, you know, put you in that health center for three months, and you know. And so you're out here in the woods now, but you know in your heart and soul everything, this whole story of the political world and what's dangerous, you're not choosing because you're afraid to go, go out in public and maybe die catching a disease. You're choosing, you're thanking this story for giving you permission to love being in the woods <laughs> and not have to say no to the lots of invitations that, you know, you never really in your soul liked to go there because you couldn't love it all.
1: You got permission
0: to make your world small enough to love it all. And even so, the bigger story is blaming and saying, well, I can't go out. Drop it, girl. Drop those bigger stories because they're contagious. Get out of control on purpose. Is the guidance find which cheek is soft enough? you know it's just so thank you for giving this permission to uh play deeply into paragraph seventy two Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Patricia. I really enjoyed that share. I enjoyed every share today. And Kristen, thank you for um, pointing out the difference between wants and determined. (laughs) There is a big difference. There is a big difference um, in degree and how carefully I watch my thoughts. Um, I think everybody's touched on on every idea here and I've really enjoyed it especially um, hearing Robert Marie say this is where the rubber meets the road and and the detailed description of practice that you offered Sandra Um, and the related thoughts that you brought in Donna and the power of changing thoughts that you brought in Harrison and The power of choice that you emphasized, Diana. Oh, what a beautiful call this has been. I wanted to say a couple things about I'm determined to see. Later on, he'll emphasize vision is my greatest need. I was thinking about it this morning, I went back to lesson number one Nothing I see means anything. And it's not that i'm not not, it's not that i'm supposed to open my eyes and see nothing the idea in the first 19 this is the breath of fresh air the idea in those first 19 lessons is everything i think i see is devoid of meaning and the meaning that it seems to be devoid of is what he wants me to know about the truth But on top of truth i've let my ego lay a lot of mistaken ideas thoughts mistaken ideas and thoughts the point of this reading today is that mind is cause thoughts are cause and what occurs or seems to occur as a consequence of thoughts are effects later on he says if i intervened between cause and effect your mind and its results i'd be interfering with the most powerful device god ever created for change isn't that something when i when i fully realize the power of my thoughts and make a choice the only place i can change the only thing i can change is my mind the soul is already perfect And the body essentially cannot create so the only thing I can change the only level at which I have a choice is my mind I'm determined to see is my declaration of intent I want the truth want nothing but the truth and later on he says that truth Is meaning and when you perceive truth when you perceive truth you will understand it and understanding is appreciation and appreciation brings love this is how love is returned to my awareness when I make a choice to place what I think in alignment with truth we're in alignment with the mind of Christ as he knows it. I go around as an ego thinking I know everything. And as a consequence, um, I experience multiple effects that I don't care much for. <laughs> one, being, one being that my body tells me how I feel. Um, my mind is free to know love. And love makes fear a lie, makes a lie of fear. Fear I made. Love was made for me. And when I accept atonement for myself, I recognize instantly, instantly recognize that it's my mistaken thoughts I've laid on top of holiness, on top of this altar to God that's in my heart, this altar to God where his voice speaks to me and his truth tells me what I can see I've laid on that altar a whole bunch of mistaken ideas and in one fell swoop um one holy instant all of that can be shown to me as to be a consequence of my mistaken thoughts will I remember that probably not In practice that's why life is teacher everything that triggers me is a pointer to oopsie you have a mistaken thought right there oopsie oopsie it doesn't matter how I got the mistaken thoughts what matters is that I can see them that's why this section is so 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 valuable because it invites me It's an invitation. It's a wide-open invitation from Christ's mind to say, look at your thoughts. Look at how I can help you with your thoughts. And you will experience effects beyond belief, because they are beyond belief. You know, love we can know. Miracles we can know. We can have direct experience of truth, which is what happens when I elect to let my mistaken thoughts go. And in Russia's meaning, meaning that I can understand and appreciate and love. He says, this is how God created you, in understanding, appreciation, and love, in this relationship to truth, when I let my mistaken ideas go. I don't have to do that by myself. It's done for me, he says. The Holy Spirit is all your knowledge saved for you that you might do your will. This reading describes the essence of the split mind. And when my mind is split with thoughts that are true and thoughts that are false, I will look out and see a world I don't understand when my mind is healed by the atonement I'll have access to the truth of innocence perfection and many many opportunities to gladden myself (laughs) which are miracles so yes I am determined to see I want meaning restored to me. He can't intervene between my thoughts and my effects, but I am free to make a choice when I see I've been thinking insanely. That's the cause that produces effects I don't like. When I think with my right mind, access to the Holy Spirit and truth, the effects I experience are altogether different and now I can see now I can see that the effects I don't like are the outcome of mistaken thoughts heal my mind my father it is sick <laughs> this is one of the lessons anyway all power all power is in the thoughts I think with God everything I want is in the thoughts I think with God and so my part my part is simply to watch my thoughts and everybody who shared today had such a beautiful description of of thought watching and the outcome the effects of realigning my thoughts with truth That's the beauty of today's lesson. I am determined to see I'm complete. And if anybody's still here, (laughs) yeah, I am.
4: I'm just trying to take all that in. Thank you so much. Everything you you, say, everything you say, lets lets me hear this Holy Spirit. Is one with you thank you so much
0: thank you he says more about this in uh, chapter 4 cause and effect thoughts and effects in the section called escape from fear he says the habit of engaging with God and his creations is easily made if you actively refuse to let your mind slip away rubber meets road <laughs> the problem is not one of concentration it's the belief that no one including yourself is worth consistent effort this this mind who knows us so well who's with this life and knows of the resurrection says side with me consistently against this deception And do not permit this shabby belief to pull you back. The disheartened are useless to themselves and to me, but only the ego can be disheartened. Have you really considered how many opportunities you have to gladden yourself, and how many you refuse? There is no limit to the power of the Son of God, but he himself can limit the expression of his power as much as he chooses. Your mind and mine can unite and shine in shining your ego away and releasing the strength of God into everything you think and will and do do not settle for anything less than this and refuse to accept anything but this as your goal I am determined to see watch your minds carefully for any beliefs that hinder this accomplishment and step away from them just step away Judge how well you've done this by your feelings, for this is the one right use of judgment. Judgment, like any other de- defense, can be used to attack or protect, to hurt or to heal, and the ego should be brought to your judgment and found wanting there. Without your own allegiance, protection, and love, it cannot exist, you yeah, I'm not my ego. Judge your ego truly, and you must withdraw allegiance, protection, and love from it escape from fear recognize my thoughts thank you everyone what a beautiful discussion it was today so very very meaningful to me and i just loved it <laughs> So.